Hello and welcome back. It's April the 9th. I had to do quick math on what the 4 was and it was not March. It's April the 9th. Brent is joining me this week. Thanks for joining me back. So Brent, the first thing I want to kick off with today is the COVID question that we launched back in January about the probability of getting more than 100 million 100 million folks in the US with at least one shot of the COVID-19 vaccine on or before April 15th. And last Friday, April the 2nd, we hit 101 million in the U.S. with one vaccine. That resolved that question. And that was an interesting question to see play out over time. So my score, I was above the consensus the whole time. So I thought I had a good forecast. My score was around the 50th percentile. And when you dig into the data, there was some really big dispersion of forecasts early in that question. And a lot of folks early, early, Brent, you were one of those who had really high forecasts back in January and February about this happening and they got really good scores. And so this was a situation where there's a lot of different expectations back in January, February, but then the consensus moved very strongly starting in early March and, and trended higher um, over the last several weeks. I think it's great news for the economy and it's great news for everything that we have this many vaccines distributed already. And I think that's partly reflected in the strength of markets everywhere. Everything's soaring. I think that's part of the reason. I wrote an article. You can go check that out. This was a really hard question for us to write. And I outlined some of the issues that we had writing the question, but also some of the things that came up after we wrote the question. Early on, we were trying to decide, do we count the number of vaccines given or the number of people vaccinated? That's a really big difference. Some of you will remember there was a big debate, public debate about should we hold off on the second doses for some people so we can give as many people a one dose as possible. The data that are reported today are different than the data that were reported in January when we first started. There was no second dose data coming out in January, but well, thankfully the data that's been added over time has been increased. And then finally, the Johnson & Johnson situation really changed the metrics. What does it mean to be fully vaccinated? Well, we focused the question on at least one shot, so one level of vaccines. But if we would have asked about fully vaccinated individuals, that would have been two shots with some treatments and one shot with other treatments. And so one of the characteristics of periods of uncertainty is that you don't even know how to frame the question. And this is one where we frame the question. We got lucky, frankly. It played out in a way that we could still resolve it. But over the last year, there's been a lot of things that have, the balls bounced ways that we couldn't anticipate. So this was a question that things rapidly changed. Keeping in mind, it was mid-December before the first vaccine was even authorized to be used. And so all this has rolled out very, very quickly. Yeah, it's, it's some kind of amazing, actually, when you think about it. Brent, I'll let you set this up a little bit. All the emails and press releases and news articles about carbon and carbon markets and Looks like we're starting to get some early data on what it means at the farm level. A few programs coming out with dollars per acre value attached to them. It's fascinating. And Dave and I have been emailing back and forth. And it's this whole thing about history, not necessarily repeating itself, but but rhyming a lot. And I was digging through stuff I worked on back all the way in 2008, I think, to find a lot of this information. It's just fascinating to me. But we're going to write a little article on carbon principles of carbon sequestration or carbon capture that I think people find interesting, at least help you give you a framework for how to think about some of this stuff, because there is a lot of hype and 
stuff going around right now that I think is probably overdone. But anyway, we'll we'll talk about that in the article. It's just kind of interesting how fast this story has popped up. It sort of seemed like it was under the surface maybe, but then it's kind of gone from under the surface to enroll your acres today in a very, <laughs> very short period of time. In addition to Brent's articles, we've got a few of our writers on the team to do some interviews and try to get some additional reporting what's going on. One of the things that I'm watching is there's kind of two tracks that are maybe out there. One of them is the private market. And so we've seen a lot of press releases about that lately, but then maybe the public option or the public situation where the USDA is maybe going to open up some questions about, or open up some a period for comments about maybe them participating in this at some point, putting some rules or some regulations into this place. And I don't know, it'd be interesting to see, how fast the USDA responds. I think a lot of folks think the USDA is going to do something really, really quickly. And I think they're probably operating as fast as the USDA will operate. I think there's a lot of incentive or a lot of excitement in the USDA to pursue that. But I think we got to realize the USDA process might be a little slower. So we're going to write a lot about this to try to help because there's a lot of excitement and a lot of moving pieces and not a lot of insightful data. It's great. We talked about yeah. chaos, right? Chaos is uncertainty with a whole lot of, useless information and in our decision-making. Well, there's a whole lot of information out there that's not actually helping us make better decisions. It's a lot of high level stuff and there's a whole lot of uncertainty. So it's very chaotic. Yeah. And I think if you think about what tripped this over, it has to be the, the one, the new administration has to be a key driver of this. You have to think if Trump were still president, there would not be as near as much talk about, carbon as there is today with with a democrat president and control of congress and that's not a value statement or anything it's just reality that that has to be one of the things that's gotten this moving fast and we'll, we'll just have to see how fast it goes and uh, we'll, we'll write about that <laughs> so the other thing we have on the list today is the fertilizer prices uh, we've talked a lot about those there's a lot of stuff moving and I'll tee this up a little bit and I'm going to kick it over to Brent because it, it sort of, we have this foot race going on, right? Revenues have really jumped up in the last few months. That's really been good news. So there's a, a lot of optimism in the farm economy based on current revenue projections and the current cost structure. But the foot race is coming on now with increasing expenses. So higher maybe fertilizer prices, higher land rents and so forth. So the question is how long will it last? So Brent and I were talking about fertilizer prices. They're up a lot. I think you got to keep in mind what you're measuring it relative to. So last fall, in a lot of cases, were 10-year lows. So that's a big sticker shock. If you compare it to a year ago, it's still up a lot, but maybe not as much. The second thing is the price changes haven't been uniform across all the products or all of the substitutes. So DAP is up a lot. Phosphorus prices are up a whole lot. But nitrogen prices are up less. But even within nitrogen, right, urea is up very much compared to anhydrous ammonia and 28%. So there's still some need to really dig in and sharpen your pencil. The other thing to keep in mind is how high our price is relative to corn prices, right? So we looked at anhydrous prices and they're actually still relatively low relative to corn prices. That's not a story that really resonates or connects with what we see when we look at the price jumps, but we're still in a better position today, even at current prices than we were two years ago when we had really low corn prices and fairly low fertilizer prices. So we have higher fertilizer prices, but much higher corn prices. So 
keep in mind, this is going to be a, a lot of moving around. I think we're going to see a lot of excitement in this fertilizer market for a while. Keep your eye on energy markets, where energy markets go as well. They're pretty strong. But Brent, I'm going to kick this over to you and this idea of how long will the good times last? And a big question mark, but I think something that we should keep in the back end of our mind because forever is probably not the correct answer. Right. And, and you know, these things are cyclical and it's really interesting that, as you said, we started this up cycle in commodity prices at from the lows of fertilizer price. So there's a huge window of profitability, uh, particularly in this first year for corn, which is part of the reason we were saying pretty clearly that we thought corn was going to outperform soybeans on the acreage side. And I think that played out going into next year, you know, that's going to get whittled down a little bit, but probably, as you said, you know, relative to corn prices, uh, still looking fairly attractive, but we know this margin squeeze, it's going to come, you know, it's going to come and it will, it will cure the profitability issue, you know, pretty quickly, I think. Part of it's going to depend on how this growing season plays out. If we have six, seven bushels above trend, which certainly not out of the question on corn, the string will be short. <laughs> if we would, were to have bad yields this year, a string might last a couple more years. So we'll, we'll just have to see. I think the question is also valid for the current macroeconomic situation, right? So a year ago, we were very concerned about the shutdown and then all the stimulus has started really towards the end of April of 2020. And they really got into overdrive over the summer months. And so we're in this stimulus environment. How long will that continue to, to last? And there are some areas of the economy that are definitely struggling, but overall, the economy has been faring pretty well. And so how does that play out? Where, where, does, where do things go from here? Uh, it's probably not going to stay where it's at, but the question is, how long does the current status quo last? And where does it go from there? The uh, economy is really starting to hum. And I think a lot of reason to expect that's going to really take off. And remember, we said at the start, the pandemic was kind of a supply shock. And you're starting to, it's funny how that did play out immediately. But now we're starting to see the implications of that, you know, supply chains kind of struggling to keep up with demand. You know, you, the most obvious example that everyone is familiar with is the the auto manufacturers slowing production because they don't have components to make cars. But there's there's examples, all kinds of examples of that kind of stuff. Just it's really interesting to watch how that's happened. But that I would think could be prone to increasing prices. In last week's video, uh, I chatted with Jackie Holland, and what she kind of impacted my thinking on is one of those issues is the economic impacts, right? So what's the economic impact of for not shipping as many trucks this year. And that's not, I'm not saying that's insignificant or zero. It's going to be real. But I think what Jackie kind of helped me think about is think about it from the other side. What happens to the human perception? I think these stories impact our perceptions a lot more. So if you're a grain buyer, for example, do you start buying a little more grain a little earlier to make sure you have some on hand? So this idea of just in time versus just in case, if you're going to buy a truck, do you now buy a truck a little earlier than you maybe normally would have just in case? Uh, and I think that's starting to play out at the individual level, but also in these organizations and this B2B buyers are thinking about how do I make sure that I have enough computer switches or windows or tires or fill in the blank. And it's not just 
can I get a tire? Can I get the tire that I want? Right. That's the other thing is you might be able to get something that'll get you by, but can you get the thing that you actually want? The economic impact versus the impact on our psychology, our thinking, those are different. <laughs> Keep in mind, I think the psychology side is one that we don't understand a whole lot. That's sort of the animal spirits uh, that sometimes get unleashed. Yeah, I think they're set to be unleashed is my perception in all kinds of areas. If people are have got money saved more than we normally saving, I don't think that's a structural shift that Americans are just all of a sudden going to like save at a higher rate. I highly doubt it. I think they're going to spend it. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. To wrap up, we've seen a lot of chatter and talk about what's going to happen with happen with acres after the prospective plantings report. <laughs> a lot of charts about principal crop acres. We wrote an article this week. You should check that out. Be careful with the scaling of those charts. Sometimes we're adding data together that we can add together, but it isn't supposed to be added together. So there are limits to what we should be doing with that. And when we start zeroing in on a million or two or 3 million acre changes on something that's 330 million, so a 1%, and we're splitting hairs at the 1% level of something that's really, really big that we're probably adding things together and creating errors or we're discounting the errors a lot. It's going to lead us to some bad outcomes. And Brent, you might have some thoughts here, but I'm just going to say, we're going to, if you think total corn and soybean acres are going to be up in the June report, it's your lucky day. We're going to add a forecast network question about that. And you can put your expectations on the line. You can, you can uh, zip that in. We've wrote a lot about this and spoiler alert, you better keep an eye on prevented planting. In my opinion, prevented planting is heavy handed in this. And so when you hear someone say corn and soybean acres are going to go up, ask them, what do you mean by that? Is it prevented planting? Is it some other phenomenon? And prevented planting day in and day out has a big impact on that. So Brent, I don't know. Do you have anything else before we wrapped up here? I just think it is fascinating to me to watch and see all the people who have just become, uh, the word we were using earlier offline is mind locked on this number. I mean, people are just like, I can't believe, you know, total corn soybean acres are not higher than they were last year. Well, guys, there's a lot of stuff out there that's attractive this year. I was telling David, I'm like, man, feed production. I'm not so sure. In some cases we shouldn't be, you know, playing feed for livestock instead of corn. There's just a lot of good alternatives. And I think people have lost, kind of lost their mind on the total corn and soybean acre thing not being a lot bigger this year. And in addition to all the other stuff that you're saying, which is 100% correct, that a lot of those numbers are getting added together or shouldn't be added together. They're double counted. There's all people just need to, I, I really think it's like unhealthy. It's time for an intervention. I think of some sorts with some of these people they are just like, so focused on this one number. Don't let that ruin all of your thinking done right, this cause... before. Cause it's, it's just not worth it. <laughs> think, think more broadly, step back from it and, well, especially if you're building your marketing plan around that, right? If you're building your marketing plan around the USDA being wrong, that's a, a very tricky, a very tricky proposition, a very oh, tricky yep. place to be in. Be careful. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you guys in a future episode. In the meantime, stay curious.